spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs of this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house on a wednesday evening rather cold wednesday evening in england as well we're over to, to a lovely city today because i've got relatives in this city as well who i've not seen for about 30 odd years toronto in canada so I'm hoping to get over there at some point in the future. And I've got a fascinating gentleman with me today as well, who got in touch with me fairly recently through matchmaker.fm uh, about his book, actually, called The Resurrector, which came out in December. I, I'm going to let the gentleman introduce himself, because I, I I can't help him pronouncing his surname. <laughs> I'm going to make a fool of myself. So, obviously, most, um, first of all, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them, obviously, where you're originally from. I know you've travelled around a little bit, haven't you? I yes, know you're in Toronto in Calendar at the moment. Yes. Uh, hi, Andy. Uh, hi, everyone. So I'm uh, Moshe Mikanovsky, and I'm originally from Israel. I was born and raised over there. And uh, then in my mid-20s, I moved to the U.S. I was working over there for a few years. And uh, since 2002, I, I'm in Toronto. I moved to Canada. And I'm, um, since then, I'm, I'm over here. Yeah, it's quite um, it's quite interesting. Like when you've gone from obviously, like I said you've gone from obviously like Israel to America, then Canada. So, mm-hmm. what made you obviously tell us a bit about your background as an Israel first of all, then because it's you, your background does come up a lot in this book, I think. Yes, in, yes, in the does. right way. So it does. So the the book, and we'll talk about it um, uh, shortly. It has a lot of my background in there, although it's completely fiction. What actually made me move to America and then to Canada was my my work. So in my day job, I'm in the software development. I started as a software software developer back in the army in Israel. And then I was working for a software development company that relocated me to the States. And then I moved uh, with my family. I had uh, two girls were born in in the US. And then uh, we moved to Canada again with my job. Uh, And I'm still doing that. I'm still I'm a product manager in my day job. Um, and I have a third daughter that was born in Canada. So we're a very multinational uh, uh, family. 
You are. Now, obviously, reading your profile before, and obviously, we have, we have to touch on this to a degree, but I really want to talk about your writings, I'm sure. I know your job, people are wondering, it's, which is an interesting job anyway. It's more interesting than my day job is. <laughs> it's um, product management where you started mm-hmm. on the engineering side of things, didn't you, over 30 years ago, developing mm-hmm. enterprise B2B software. So, mm-hmm. which is obviously like, what made you want to start on your writing then? Because I know... I know the story, I know behind it a bit. I want you to tell people yourself. Yeah. So um, first of all, in writing in general, it's it's a, been creative for me. Um, even as a, as a kid, I was writing and, and doing different things. I also li- love painting. I, I love doing creative stuff uh, in everything that I do. Even software development is actually quite creative. People think about it as the, like this you know, engineering or uh, logical work, which it is, but it also needs to have some type of creativity. So um, many years ago, I, I tried to be like a visual artist and um, uh, probably people will not be able to see it, but I have some painting behind me that you can see. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about that. Although yeah. you were painting at the back of you there. That's yeah, so I, I used to paint and I used to try also to sell my paintings, but it's a much more elaborate uh, effort. And uh, it's also quite expensive sometimes with all the materials that you have to get. And then I realized, you know, writing, I can write anywhere I want. I can pick up my phone and write on my phone or an iPad or a computer or a piece of paper, whatever it is. So the creative, and I still felt creative when I did that. So that's where the creativity uh, was the the main thing that uh, really attracted me to do it. Yeah, I think I agree with that because like it's I'm I'm definitely believing myself like because obviously the day job I've got and I'm a civil servant and I work for the government actually nothing nothing major but it's mm-hmm. like I travel to and from work every day on the bus and I do a lot I'm always scribbling or real you know, ideas down all the time mm-hmm. and I suspect that's where you, it came from you as well did it probably when you were either in work or just quiet downtime yes. isn't it Yes, we we didn't talk about the book I already published but. My next book that I'm working on is actually, I wrote it a few years ago on the subway on the way to work. And it it actually is about the subway. So I got inspired by that as well to write a story that happens in the the subway. Oh, brilliant. Well, come on to that a bit then, because I I actually always like asking people towards the end of of any sessions I talk to them is what comes next. So you can get to tell you about that. So that's a bit more about the end of that. (laughs) I definitely want to hear about it. And I can ask you, detailed questions about how it compares to obviously your debut novel that's come out now mm-hmm. i obviously know from your debut novel you started this originally on the national novel writing month didn't you so a few years ago yeah yeah so so what happened in 2013 actually so it's been a while my oldest daughter she was in grade nine and she decided she's also very uh, um creative and she loves writing so she decided to do the nanowrimo and to write uh to try to write a novel and she had oh, an idea. Wow. Yeah. So wow. she had an idea and a few friends of her also from school decided to do it. And when she told me about it, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Um, I also have an idea. Let's do it together. Oh, so brilliant. that's fantastic so we, that you do it yeah, in a side by side with your daughter. Brilliant. Yeah. So we did it together and we actually, both of us were able to come up at the end of the month with 50,000 words story. So, which was very cool. 
Um, we arrange a few parties in our home, like writing parties, because that's one of the things about NaNoWriMo is that people are writing together. Um, it's almost like it's, it's a writing party. Basically, we had a, a, the big table in the dining room and uh, my daughter and her friends and uh, me, we were all sitting around it. We brought uh, snacks. We were sitting there for maybe five hours during the weekend and we just wrote and wrote and wrote. So it was a lot oh. of fun. Fantastic. I've done it. I do it for uh, National Poetry Writing Month in April every year. Mm-hmm. I never have the guts to actually sit down and actually write to try and do a 50,000 word novel. I, <laughs> I, I never did it before, poems. I can tell you. <laughs> I was that first experience of obviously, like, it's like, like I haven't that magical doing, doing working alongside it with your daughter. Did, mm-hmm. did I know my, my wife done it a few times, and she's always said, said it can be really, really hard work. If you, you're not sure where you're going, did you know where the book was going when you first got going with it? No, I, I had no idea actually. Um, I had the nugget of an idea. So the book is called The Resurrector, and hmm. it's it's a translation from Hebrew, and the Hebrew is the word is Mechaya Metim, uh, which is <coughs> the, the 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 one that resurrects the death. Uh, it's coming from the Jewish um, um, daily prayers. So every day in the prayers. I mean, there is a lot of words in the prayers, but that's one of the, the verses over there about God in the future uh, will resurrect the dead. And I had this idea in my head, what happens if it's not like God and if it's not in the future, but someone these days is has this ability to resurrect at least one person from the dead? Well, how it would in, um, interact and how it would uh, affect his family and would anything change? So that was the nugget of idea that I had. And I didn't really know where I, w- I will, you know, what will be the story. But all I knew is that I have my own experience, you know, being born and raised in Israel in the specific city where I was uh, born and raised, which is a religious city, is a quite orthodox. Uh, and and I, I said, you know what, I will write what I know. I will put this family over there and there will be this Shiva. A shiva is the mourning period. So it's the seven days that uh, family mourns after someone that died. And all I know really is that there is this family. I don't know who is in the family exactly, but they're sitting Shiva for someone. And then someone came in and they gives one person in the family the ability to see the dead or interact with the dead or do something with the dead. And my First idea was to create this parallel world that he can go into this parallel world. I'm a big fan of parallel world stories like uh, Stephen King stories that has parallel worlds are the best and any other type of parallel world stories. Uh, So that was my idea. At the end, it kind of morphed more into that something to be different because when you have a parallel world, you have to create a whole world and you have to create its rules and all of that stuff. And that's what I had to develop throughout the versions of the book. But in that, those th- first 30 days from this nugget of idea, it just, you know, as I was writing, I was like, oh, okay, I can put this person in, this person out, and I can make, maybe I will open this and that. And I had to find ideas for stories. So I was drawing from my own experience back in Israel and stuff like that. And that's how it all kind of merged and, and created. Yeah, you can certainly see, like I said, I was hinting at before with it. And that's what I found is really, really fascinating book to read. Because I get you didn't go down the route I thought you were going to go down with it. When I got it up, I, I thought instantly, I thought I could see it's been a very sort of American or maybe, maybe Canadian sort of book. But because of the personal touches you put into it and placing Israel like you did, it, it went, it felt different all the way along. Mm. So 
That's why it's really, it's it's a really fascinating book. I really enjoyed what I've read of this. Now, I want to know, obviously, with it, and I don't want to go into too much spoiler territory in it, because I don't think I want people to read the book, (laughs) if I'm honest, right? But what made you want to actually place all the different viewpoints in the book? Was that in the original draft, or did that come later? It well, it actually came in the original draft. So I have two main uh, point of views, and I wanted to see, you know, point of view is always that thing that you're playing with, and uh, I wanted to kind of first of all experiment with with both. Uh, so one of them is first person, another one is third person, but also I wanted to. It felt um, when when the main character, one of the main characters, in the, is in this you know, dreamscape or, or second world, I want it to be much more immediate. So the readers, when they read it, will feel it like they're with them right there and they experience everything that they're experiencing. So it's almost like I felt I was that person standing there or doing this or seeing that or whatever. And what do I see all around me and what do I experience all around me? And the first person was much more uh, relatable and, and straightforward. Yeah, it's quite. I find I always find it interesting. You, you get novels like a novelist like yourself, where they've gone along, and and that's one I did notice with it. When you're doing it, moving from third person to first person, mm-hmm. was that a conscious decision at the beginning to do, do it like that? I think it it happens quite uh, organically and quite um, uh, fast when I started writing it. Yes, I remember. I still have all the versions that I wrote it because every version I created a new copy and everything. So wow. I can, I, 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 it's been a while since I looked at the first one, but I think if I will look at it, I will still see this in there. Yeah. Yeah. We said before, obviously, like, um, people read the bio. I know you started the book originally in 2013. So it's like that's some going that is like, I don't know if I'd have a stamina to keep going at it for seven years. That's why, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a very long process for sure. And um, most of the time I was thinking nothing will happen with this book because, <laughs> you know, either I didn't finish it or I got uh, mixed feedback from, from different people who read it or whatever it is. Or um, I send um, query letters to agents and I never heard from them. So it's very, it's very discouraging, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I had to persevere with that. Yeah, I think I can see that straight away with it. It's, it does feel to me like it's because of the background, in it? There's definitely a, it's a labour and love for you, this novel, as well as been a very good novel anyway. So, well, I, but I think, did I know, because my second book, Poetry Book, took me five and a half years to write. And there's, I think probably like you, there's no danger I was going to drop it. But did you get to save you wondering sometimes whether you're actually going to finish it sometimes, in hindsight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, many times, most of the time. <laughs> what I did throughout the years is um, I love to learn about, you know, processes and how to improve myself and stuff like that. So after I had the first manuscript, I actually uh, read about editing, what do I have to edit and stuff like that. So I started editing and I created the second version and then I printed the book so I will have an actual book in my hand. So I will see it's real. And I kind of like edited on the paper. So I created, I had the third version and then I decided I need to learn more about it. I was just, you know, winging it. So I went to, (laughs) (laughs) I went to um, University of Toronto. They have like um, continual educational school and they have a program for um, creative writing. So I did that. I took uh, classes in creative writings and 
a lot of the uh, projects and writings that I did over there were taken from the books. So I will get feedback from the uh, teachers and professors and my um, um, other students in the classes because we gave feedback to each other. Uh, and this really helped me to um, hone on my on, on many different aspects of my book. But it also kind of discouraged me sometimes because one of the professors didn't seem to like my book at all, and I took it very uh, personally. So, so it, it's that's the risk of that as well, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. But I, I definitely thought I many times that it will never see the light. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, in our case, people are wondering it came out in December last year, and I know it came out through a press as well. I'm trying to get get the name now, which yeah, was obviously a. Um, obviously New Degree Preston. Now, yes. tell us about how you discovered New Degree Preston. Yeah, New Degree Press is a hybrid uh, publisher. So they are not like a regular publisher that you usually have to find an agent and then they will buy your book and they will do most of the work for you. And then you get a specific percentage of the royalties. Uh, this one is a hybrid one where um, they will help you with the full publication. They will have the pub publisher name on it, but you retain the, the full amount, you know, the full royalties and full uh, ownership on the book. Um, it's uh, probably a bit closer to self-publishing than to um, traditional one, because at the end of the day, I self-published it myself on um, Amazon, on Kobo, on Ingram Spark. And, and this way it's available everywhere with NDP with New Degree Press name on it. Uh, and I get the full royalties. Uh, one of the nice things about the program that really helped me is that learning process. So they took me like step by step by step through the entire process from the manuscript that I had. Uh, they greenlit it the, uh, in the beginning and then uh, through um, a pre-sale. So we did a pre-sale together on Indiegogo. So I sold 150, 160 copies of the book upfront and that sale, thank you. <laughs> and that sale, uh, helped me also really pay for their, like for the program. Um, and, uh, but, but at least I, I saw that there is interest. People will be with me to, to help me, you know, uh, make it better. Uh, then I got an editor and we were working through the edit for a few months and I had beta readers from the um, pre-sales. So several readers that read the book as I was uh, editing it and gave me feedback. So it made the book even better. Uh, and then uh, copy editing and layout editing um, and um, design of the, of the um, cover uh, and help and, and getting uh, different uh, praise from the, you know, how to do outreach to people. So podcast and, and different type of marketing and social media and building your website. So there is a lot of stuff that they help, you know, the program learn. And I think that's for me was the main thing really, because um, I like to have uh, a bit of a structure when I do things. And if I have to do it on my own, I sometimes don't create that structure. And that's also part of one of the reasons why it took like eight years, because I kind of like, okay, so what do I do next? I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> where here they told me this is what you have to do next and here is the deadline and it was very helpful for me to to do that and i learned through the process so now i've gone through that once and it's it's really been amazing yeah i think it's the nature of the beast and the job you're doing is it's a very technical job so it's just mm -hmm. like i think the same for me the job i do like it's you can learn to analyze things and think from point a to point b to point c to point d i think mm -hmm. the basics apply in your case there straight away so it's 
you're very, I can tell that from chatting to you, very, very analytical. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, you just have to learn how to think to get, to get into order, don't you? So now, yeah, I know also as well, I know you've done some, you're also write short stories as well. And I want to obviously learn and talk about this next. I know you've had a few bits and pieces published in the NABO review and mm-hmm. uh, Alina Lucas's flash fiction compilation. Now, tell mm-hmm. us about obviously your stories and short flash fiction and short stories. How do yeah. they compare them to your novel, for example? Yeah, it's a very interesting. Um, it's very interesting because I usually like the long form. But sometimes you have these nuggets of ideas in your head. And many of those short stories that I submitted and got published came from different exercises that I did while I was studying at at the University of Toronto. So that was actually very helpful for me to try different things and not just the long form. Uh, With the long form, you can talk about a lot of things. You can bring different um, perspectives. You can make it, uh, you know, sometimes... uh, um, make it shorter or sometimes make it longer. With a short form, you're very limited with how much you can tell and you still want to convey a whole story. So um, one of the things I actually did with my pre-sale, um, I, at the end of the, because, because you have to kind of um, be in front of people, you have to sell. You have to be in front of people all the time. You have to encourage them to, 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 to support you through this uh, pre-sale. One of the things I did, I was actually in the middle on vacation in the Rockies, in the Canadian Rockies. So I told them, whoever is going to support me through this time that I'm on the, uh, uh, in, in the Rockies, I'm going to send them a postcard with a short story. So oh, I bought goodness. these postcards. Yeah, I bought these postcards in the Rockies, and I had to write a story that will fit into the postcard. So you're kind of limited with the size that you have. You still want it to be engaging a bit, and you still want it to be like to have an arc from a uh, you know, start, uh, middle, and, and end. And and I wrote this little story, and it's, it's sometimes it's a bit like a poem, I guess, um, but sometimes it's more of a narrative because it has that that story. Um, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I know that you you uh, write poetry and you're, you're a poet. Poetry for me, it's a whole different things that I never understand, even though <laughs> even though I had I, to write it also, you know, in your oh, yeah, you learn stuff first, straight away, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I'm going exactly. to write my first novel at the moment. And yeah, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> I'm learning from that, shall we say, right? So yeah, I know what yeah. you mean there completely. But I was great that because I think when you're trying to write something as anything that lets short on the back of a postcard, it's like trying to write something like a, a something that short and concise, but it's quite difficult, really. Yeah, and you put, you probably found it even is it's a challenge. It's always good to have a challenge as a writer, anyway. It's also very good for your editing skills because what I did in the beginning, I wrote something on a, on a piece of paper that I found, and then I was like, I drew on the same piece of paper the uh, rectangle of my postcard size, and I tried to fit it in there, and I'm like, there is no way I can fit it in there. So <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so which words are not necessarily for the story? What can I cut out? So I started cutting out, and it's a really great exercise for that. The only thing I found was when I, I've done poems and postcards to people, I want to know this about you as well. When you're writing a story onto the postcard, was your wrist absolute aching like anything? You, you had to write it in really small handwriting. It's not only that. These days, we're so not used to write by hand yeah. that that it's like our muscles here are not as developed as they used to be when I was a kid. That's true. That's so. true, yeah. I can remember <laughs> that when I was um, a what, 12 or 13, um, after going, not coming home from school, going to the library, 
and reading and writing books, trying to learn how to write. And mm-hmm. I used to write page of page of notes on it because it wasn't a photocopy back then. Nowadays, mm-hmm. if I tried that, my wrist would be absolutely, like you said, absolutely knackered after half an hour of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, completely. Oh, brilliant, mate. Okay. Now, to start wrapping things up now, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about today before we start, before we wrap up, really. And um, I know you've got a podcast going at the moment as well. Yourself, yeah. haven't you? So tell us about the podcast then, just so people who want to check it out. Yeah, the podcast is um, unrelated to my author uh, authorship. It's yeah, more four people to... should hear it. People should know about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Um, it's called Product for Product. Mm-hmm. And what we talk over there, I have a co-host, uh, Matt Green. He's from uh, Atlanta. And uh, we're talking about uh, products or software products that product managers are using for their work. So we're uh, basically learning together all the different products that are out there. And we have guests that are talking about their experience using those products. And it's a service for the product management community out there to understand what's available out there, what's the pros and cons and, and stuff like that. Brilliant. Obviously, people want to check it out. That can be checked on all the usual networks and stuff straight out, I presume, can't it? So Yes, yes, it is. Brilliant. Okay, obviously, to conclude with your writing now then, obviously, we're <laughs> going to back, we're going to backtrack now. Then listen to 25 minutes ago, and we're going to talk about what's coming next. I know you've got another novel on the go. (laughs) Tell us a bit more about this this novel then, the Subway novel. Obviously, we don't need to give too much away. Was this another National Novel Writing Month exercise for you, or was it something different this one? No, it's actually, I wrote this one in 2014. So after I did the one in 2013, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let's do it again. So I wrote this one in 2014. And like I mentioned, I did it, most of it I wrote on the subway uh, from the way to work and back. In, in the TTC, it's the Toronto uh, Transit Commissioner um, system. And um, it's actually happened on the subway. So the name of the book is Lady Subway um, or a working, probably that's gonna be the final name because it's a good name. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of a bit of an urban um, mystery or whatever it is. Um, and, and it's, it's the, the premise is actually very, when I tell it to people, they, they really enjoy the premise. So I think that there is a good uh, story over there. But the premise is that uh, the announcer, the electronic announcer or the recorded announcer on the subway station or the subway system, she's fed up and she doesn't want to do her work anymore because she's doing in and out day and in, day in and day out. Um, and she kidnaps one of the cars with all the people in it. Ooh. And then Ooh. what happened after that? Yeah, well, we'll say no more, right? Definitely that. So <laughs> I'll get you back on when this one comes, this next level comes out, because I want to I want to read that one definitely. So. Yes, yes. Now, obviously, actually, sorry, sorry, pardon me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually have, um, I'm going to, I put uh, on my website, I put a form for people to, um, or I don't know if it's public or people that bought my other book, but I can, I can also send it to you so you will see that. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for like 20 beta readers that will help me shape the book. And what I will do is I will send them a chapter every week and get their feedback and stuff like that. So that will be an interesting experience. Yeah, and we'll definitely get in touch. I, I wouldn't have the chance of time to do that. I'm way too busy. <laughs> but it does sound a fascinating book. So what stage are you up to with this book then at the moment then? It's it's, um, yeah, I have a first draft. Um, I don't, the, the ending is not good yet. So I, I'm still thinking about the ending, but I started kind of, um, editing it into a second draft and I hope that, uh, it's not going to take as long as the previous book. I hope it will take not more than a year from now. 
but uh, that's that's my aspiration at the moment. Well, fingers crossed here, definitely. How have, obviously I don't want to give too much away in the book, but how has the process so far been on the second book in contrast to the first book? Because obviously the first book you felt like you learned a lot from it. Do you think it's yeah. been a lot smoother the second book so far? Yeah, I'm, I I think that um, it, it's a much more like um, I have the rhythm. So it's, mm. it's more about the rhythm and to find the time to do it and, and to enjoy doing the editing and stuff like that, which I, I do enjoy. Um, it, it's also about trying not to repeat myself, meaning that it's another book, it's another story. It's not a repetition of the first book. So I want to, it to be fresh as well. Um, and uh, so the theme is different. The characters are different. The location is different. It happens in Toronto. So it's much closer to home now. Um, but um, it, it's still, I, I think it's more about the rhythm and, and knowing what I'm doing more now that makes it much easier. Yeah, no, I get the feeling chatting straight away. And, oh, well, good luck with it, definitely. So keep some forward. Well, yeah. love to have you on again in the future when that's complete. Thank definitely. you very so, much. Thank now, you. obviously, to wrap up part one, then, obviously, it's time to hard sell now, as I always say. So if people want to find out more about you, where's the website, first of all? And yeah. where can people get your book, etc.? Yeah, so my website is my last name, mikanovsky.com. So it's M-I-K-A-N-O-V-S-K-Y.com. And over there, uh, the main page, I have two sections for my author and for my product. So if you go to author.mikanovsky.com, that's where all the author stuff. And I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So you can search me on LinkedIn um, and, um, and connect with me. I will be happy to connect with anyone. And then also, I'm, I'm also on um, Instagram. So it's moshe.mikanovsky.author. And I'm also on f- Facebook, but I'm usually mostly on, on LinkedIn. Brilliant. That's fine. Sounds good to me. Have a check it out. Honestly, I picked this book up, what, 40 few days ago. And it was at the moment on Amazon in the UK, it's 79 pence for a download. And that's well worth your time straight away. Right? Yes. I've had a great time reading this one, going to and from work last few days. So recommend it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, well. We'll take a quick break now, guys and girls. We'll see you all in two minutes. And then we're going to come back with an extract from the book. So, right, see you soon. Thank you. Spoken, mate. Hi, guys. Yes, we are still here with the wonderful Mosh. Now, over to you, my friend. I know you're going to read out a bit from your book for us today. Yes, so I will start with the author note because I think that uh, can convey a lot about the book. Then if we have a bit more time, I'll start with the first chapter. Um. So this is author notes from uh, The Resurrector. The story of The Resurrector is fictional unless you believe that someone can come back to life. All characters and the stories are a complete work of fiction and came from my imagination. If they remind you of someone you know, it is merely a coincidence. But do you believe in some type of resurrection? Part of the book is just that, what if? When I read works of fiction, I always try to find a nugget in the core of it all, the question that the author explored when writing the story. This can be extreme life situations or magical ones. And this was my what if. What if someone can bring back someone from the dead? Would it change anything for their loved ones? The obvious answer is, of course it would. Near-death experiences change people's perspective on life, making them appreciative of the important thing they they have and focus on them. But let's think about it a bit deeper. Would it? If they had their issues before, would they be able to overcome them like just like that? Egos, belief systems, social pressures, these all can be stronger, stronger than, well, death. So I started exploring. 
I placed it in the environment I know, my homeland Israel and home city, the religion I was born into and grew up in, and my childhood and adulthood, and the characters started forming themselves. They started interacting with each other and with, and with their environment. Words came into their mouth and thoughts into their heads. It was important for me to keep them authentic. While I have lived for the past 25 years in North America, I wanted to ensure the characters and their story do not lie. They had to be true to the place and people I love. My hope is that I showed them justice. It's hard to do it in stories. They're limited to their themes and the story has to move forward. But in too many Israeli stories, both in books and movies, the focus is mostly on the extreme, the Israel-Palestinian co conflict, the ultra-ultra-Orthodox person who leaves the religion, the Holocaust survivors, and the generational gaps with their descendants. Some do appear in the Resurrector as well, but they are not the main focus, and I hope they do not overshadow the main theme, that family relationships and love are for here and now, for the living. Let's not wait until it's too late. And this theme, my friend, is et eternal. If it has no culture or religion, it, it is here for you and everyone on earth. No matter our background, the deity we believe in, what we look like within and without. This is what makes us human. So here I bring to you the Resurrector, a story that is rooted in time and place, but unrooted in thoughts and feelings. It has some mystery, it has some magic, but most, most of all, it is a work of love. I hope you enjoy it. Um, prologue. Friday. Abba Shalom. Ram, uh, Ram took a, a deep breath, the phone headset pushing hard into the palm of his hand. Ram, hi, how are you? What a pleasant surprise. I was just thinking about you. That was his father's usual greeting. It had been a week since they last spoke, and his father sounded the same as always. I'm okay, but I don't know what is going on with Nir. He, before he had a chance to continue, Chaim erupted on the other end of the line. You know, I don't want to hear his name or discuss him. Why do you even have to I have to remind you? Just don't mention him to me. His words were clipped and abrupt. Ram imagined his father standing in, in his kitchen by the counter, a coffee mug in one hand, the daily paper spread out in front of him, forgotten, the cordless phone in, in the other hand, a thick vein bulging at his temple. You have to hear me this time, Ram shouted into the phone, angry with his father for, for never listening. He's missing. It was not how he planned to say it. The line went, went quiet. His father did not hang up, but he did not say anything either. Ram's pulse was beating hard like a drum in his ears. His hand sweaty, he switched the phone to his other hand, wiping the sweat off his army uniform pants. Ram told Chaim everything that happened since his sister, Millie, called hysterically from the Ulpina High School after waiting for hours for their brother near to show up. He spoke quietly, afraid his father would stop him mid-sentence. When he finished, Ram paused to breathe and to collect his thoughts. A long silence on the line. What could he say? I think that's good. Brilliant stuff. Oh, brilliant, mate. Great, great stuff, that. Because I'm really glad you read out the intro, Nick. So when I read the intro, obviously, a few days ago on the Kindle, it was really... It, really set the scene for it. I think sometimes, and I've been treating all your reactions as well, when you do what you've done in your book list, sometimes it can be over-egging the pudding, if you know what I mean. But in your case, you had to give that sort of background, didn't you? 
Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that I wrote the intro uh, with the encouragement of, of New Degree Press because that's part of how they like to do things. And um, I never think about it before, you know, why I write the story, what the story is about, and all the themes. I, I thought about it, but not in a way that I make me sit down and really write it and, you know, and write it down. Uh, so that was a really great way to do that. And when this came up, it was like, oh, wow, there is something there that is really can talk to anyone, not just to me, not just to people that are Jewish or from Israel, but to everyone, because everyone has families and everyone are, you know, have someone that they know that they lost. And sometimes the relationships are great, sometimes they're not. So there is really something for everyone. Yeah, I think so straight away with it. So I've been, tri- I've got a friend in Israel. I want to follow that and we'll forward this book over to her. Send the link over, see if it's see she might like you interested in it as well. Thank you. So yeah, I, I interviewed a young lady from Israel last year, I think it was, who was a poet. So I might, so I'm going to send it over to see, if it's a, see what she thinks of this as well. So if I get a load of swearing, come back my direction, <laughs> which I don't want, I won't, I won't, right? So, but anyway, mm-hmm. seriously, okay. Thank you today again, my friend. It's been really a fascinating session. Thank you, Andy, very much. That was a pleasure. Hang around. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure chatting to you as well. Hopefully I'll be on again in a year or two down the line, definitely when you're ready. Now, hang around, because I do need to speak to you off microphone. But as Spoke Label always says, as Don Callis, formerly of Impact Wrestling, says, stay safe and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Spoken, mate.